If you have a Bible nearby, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to bring the lights up for you so you can see it. And Songs like that with that kind of victory and declaration just have a way of, they just build confidence in us. So where do we go with that, you know? Our confidence, you know, you sing those songs and your confidence is not in yourself. Because we couldn't have finished it. We couldn't win, we couldn't save ourselves, we couldn't do anything but plea for God to step in, and He has. And so, we live our lives with that kind of confidence and that kind of hope, that kind of direction. Um, But sometimes, life kind of blindsides us or distracts us or gets in the way of kind of walking in that kind of confidence that we've been declaring. and um, It gets a little, I don't know, just... We kind of stumble and we struggle sometimes to, to keep that kind of focus. And um, I believe that's part of why God has the church gathered together regularly, is to help maintain that and help keep in full, full view and crystal clear focus uh, the truth of who He is and what He's done and, and how that impacts our lives. And um, over the summer, uh, we, you know, we kind of changed up some things with our community groups and just kind of jumbled that up a little bit, and um, our, our staff and elders rotated around and, and spent, spent time with all the groups over the course of the summer, leading through different discussions, and um, there was such a, uh, you know, if you've been in a small group, you know, consistently for a while, you know, there are, there are some nights, just some, some topics, some uh, passages, some Sometimes they're just like, every, it's like a magnet, like everybody's just all over it and you love it. And other times you're like, that was dumb, you know, why do we do that, you know. And, uh, some, you know, it's hit or miss sometimes. And um, I believe me, I've led enough groups where it was a miss to know what that's like. And uh, I've also led a few where, where like things were clicking. And uh, it seemed like in, in my experience going around to all the groups this summer that this passage really clicked with people. Um, there wasn't a single time I came away and be like, well, that was a waste, you know, like it was every, every single time, you know, I was like, why, what is it about this, this topic of fear that everybody, it kind of gets you stirred up. And I think it's because we we're very afraid as people, you know, um, not that we, not, you know, not that we necessarily walk around like just terrified all the time, but, uh, there are fears that are always lurking and, the illustration I used all summer was it's like a it's like an app on your phone that's it's open but you've uh, like it's gone to the background you know so it's open but you don't really realize that it's open and some of those apps will just run and run and run and they'll drain your battery you know and you're like why do I have 17 percent battery and it's like oh because your radar app or whatever just been like the whole time you know all day long and um, Sometimes fear can be that like that to us, you know. It's not right out front. You're not looking at it. You're not thinking about it. But it's it's in the back of your mind, and it's wearing you out. Um, 
And I think that's, that's why every group I went to, like, people could really connect with this passage of Scripture because, like, no, I, I know exactly what that's like to be afraid. And, and I knew coming out of the summer, at some point, it was going to be time to, like, like, there would be, like, the sermon version of that community group, you know, would, would, would come here on a Sunday night, and I just wasn't sure when. And, uh, and I feel like coming out of this series, it's kind of a perfect way to, to see how all our theological understandings and those big ideas about God they make a difference, you know, and stuff like this. Um, so in terms of fears that are just kind of running in the background of our minds, uh, Paul has something to say to Timothy here in chapter 1. And so let's see what we can learn. Um, look at verse, starting in verse 3. So, well, we'll start in verse 2, but that one won't be on the screen because I didn't tell Ashley to do that. Okay, uh, verse 2, uh, to Timothy, my beloved child, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, just note in that, for, in that verse, he call, Paul calls Timothy his beloved child. Um, it's not his actual like blood-related child. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. In verse 3, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I'm sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Okay, so that passage, I mean, I've, um, like the, the pastoral letters in the New Testament, uh, whenever you're going through seminary and being trained pastorally, those, are, those play a big role in the equipping for what you're going to do for, for obvious, obvious reasons. And so um, that's all the letters that Paul wrote to churches. We study those a lot in school and really, like, just go into the depths, and especially uh, his letters to Timothy, because this is like a mentor, a mentoring relationship. This is discipleship on display for us. Um, and so this passage, I mean, I've read it a million times, taught it. Our community groups have, have gone through there. There's this picture of this relationship between Paul and Timothy and all the things that we can be challenged by and we can learn from. It's just amazing. Um, which is why, to me, it's interesting that he goes from all this affirmation in the in verses two all the way uh, through six, you know he's talking about your uh, how he, he he prays for him and he uh, wishes he could come and visit him because there's so much joy that comes to him and and all of the the gifts and the faith and uh, everything that Timothy has that um, that Paul can see his grandmother's faith and his mother's faith and how that's been like just passed down and he's been trained up so well and. When he talks about the laying on of hands, that points to an, an ordination because uh, Timothy um, was, was a, like an ordained, like uh, set-apart pastor uh, that, that Paul was there to one to say, like, I see the gifts in you, God's hand is on you, uh, let's affirm that and let's send you. Uh, so all this, in, all this affirmation and encouragement, it's such a personal thing. And then verse 7, it says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So, to me, at first, it seems kind of out of place. 
It's like, well, why, why bring up your fears when you're trying to affirm him, you know? Um, and really, it's kind of the, per- the perfect place to do that. But um, in the group this summer, we kind of went around and I was like, all right, so what do, you know, what do we know about Timothy that, that maybe could be the fears that he's talking about? Because Paul knows exactly what Timothy is afraid of. He doesn't list it here for us, you know, but Paul knows him and knows him really, really well. Uh, so in the, in the discussions this summer, we just kind of speculated, like, okay, let's just let's take a guess. What do we know? Um, well, we know from this passage right here that, that there isn't a father figure that's around. So maybe he never knew his dad. Maybe his dad was not a, a father figure like in the, in the Jesus kind of way, you know. Maybe his grandmother was a Christian his fa- and his mother was a Christian, but his father just didn't want anything to do with him, uh, maybe in a spiritual sense. Uh, so there's a void there. Somehow that father figure is missing. And we see when, when Paul says, calls him my beloved child, that, that Paul is kind of a, kind of a surrogate there. Like, he's a, like God has brought him in as kind of a stand-in father figure in the faith. Um, so perhaps one of his fears, though, is that um, to grow up and to be a man and to not have that modeled for most of your life. Because Paul's relationship to Timothy would have been fairly recent. Uh, Maybe that's a fear, especially for someone who's about to be a pastor. So here I am, like, pastoring a church that has all these men in there, and I don't really, I've never seen that done very well, except for Paul. You know, Paul, so I have a, a few years of experience, but not much. So maybe that was a fear. Um, maybe even just being a pastor, I mean, this guy was, I don't know, was 20, okay? So maybe a 20-year-old pastor in the city of Ephesus, which you might recall was like a really dark, just difficult city to pastor, a difficult church to pastor. I mean, they were just, they were, the people there were just, they had their problems, you know. Um, that was a tough place to be, and so maybe he was fearful uh, because Paul had been pastoring there, and then Paul like trained him up and basically like handed it to him, like, all right, kid, now it's yours. I'm going to go over here and do this other thing. So maybe he was terrified of, of being the lead guy, you know, the lead elder in this church. Um, maybe because Paul was gone, maybe because he was so young, maybe because his dad wasn't really around very much. Um, maybe he was terrified of having to follow in the footsteps of Paul, you know? Like, it's not like, like oh, no, it's like some scrub pastor, and then I'm going to come in and whatever. It's like, no, this is Paul. That guy has set the bar for ministry in this, this particular church, and now this 20-year-old kid's going to take over. No offense to 20-year-old kids, but come on, you know. Maybe he was fearful there. Um, scripture points to uh, that being a, a bit of tension with the adults, where Paul encourages him. He's like, don't, don't let them look down on you because you're young. But you set an example for them. And so there's already some tension there. Uh, we know in another, another place, Paul like, tells Timothy to, uh, like, to have some wine to settle his stomach. And so maybe there were some health issues going on. I mean, so maybe he was afraid of that. Or maybe it was this, this culmination of all these things. But there was something that he was fearful about. And kind of like you and I, there's some things that we worry about. And... So in the groups this summer, like I kind of was like, all right, I'm going to tell you three of, three of the fears that run in the background of my mind, um, and then like you guys will talk, and then we'll you know kind of get there. And so I would share, I shared the same thing in all the groups. You know, no one group got a special secret detail about 
my weird brain, you know, or whatever, uh, than others. So I would share, you know, some of mine, and then people started to share things, and, and there were themes that would develop. And after going to six groups, uh, seven groups, uh, counting the, the college group, because we did that with them at the beginning of the semester, uh, themes emerge. Fear of failure, fear of loss, fear of loneliness. Big, big, big themes. Um, failure in, in whatever. It could be in career. It could be as a spouse. It could be as a parent. It could be uh, in school. It could be um, just whatever. Failing at something that you're trying to do and, and the repercussions of that failure. You know, what it says about you, how it impacts your future, how it impacts other people, blah, 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 what people are going to think about you, all that kind of stuff. Fear of failure, fear of loss, um, terrified of getting that phone call, you know, terrified of, of, of losing um, a parent, a sibling, a spouse, a child, you know, like those kind of things in the, in the background of your mind. Not being sure if you could cope with that kind of loss or what that would be like. Um, the third pattern I, I saw was just loneliness. And not even like, I'm not even talking about like, you know, like, so I'm, I'm not married. Not, I'm not even talking about just like that I will be lonely forever. But people who are married, fearing loneliness within their marriage, you know. People who, are, who have a really good group of friends now, worrying that that won't be the case in a few years. And that they're going to kind of be left behind in a sense. Fear that even when surrounded by a whole group of people, you still feel like you're on an island. Um, Feeling that, uh, fearing that when you get to be old, you're going to be forgotten about. Uh, all those kinds of things. Fears, fears. That are, and, and I could keep going, but those were kind of the three patterns that just kept coming up. And, uh, and so, you know, it's funny because a verse like this, verse 7, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control, the teaching point would often be, don't be afraid of that. Just don't. That's not, that's not from God. Don't be afraid of that. Trust Jesus. Commandment one. Live by faith, not by sight. Go to all the nations. Let's pray, you know. And I've, I've probably taught it that way. Um, so going into the summer, I really felt drawn to this idea and this whatever, and I started to study the verse, and I don't know why I never did this for years, um, but it kind of like was like, let's, let me just dive into a little bit more of like what is really being said here. And so look at verse 7 again. And we're just going to leave this verse up on the screen for a little while, all right? Um, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You may remember this from the summer, you may not. Um, the word that's used there for fear is used outside of the Bible uh, to describe a coward who runs away from a battle. A coward who runs away from a battle. So, there's a battle. And the commander gives the whatever to charge into the battle. Like think, think Braveheart for a second, if you can. 
Uh, everybody's running into the battle, which is just crazy to me still, like even just thinking about it, like, let's run into certain death. Okay, let's do this. Running into the battle, and there's this one guy like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, like working his way <laughs> the other direction. This Greek word would be used to describe that guy. The coward who's running away. So God didn't give you the spirit of a coward who runs away from a battle. God didn't give you the spirit of a coward who runs away from the things that we're afraid of. Because that is a battle. That's not what, how God has made you. So the, the part of you that wants to run away, like, yeah, that's not from God. But it's also not who you are. It's not who he has made you. That when you come to a point and you realize that you are a sinner in need of a redeemer, and Jesus is that redeemer, and you surrender your life to him, and you confess that sin, and you say, I need you, I believe this is what you've come to do, and you give your life to him, your life becomes his, there's an exchange that happens, he, re- he removes that old identity out and gives you a new identity, and that old identity he takes out, that's the spirit of the coward that runs away from a battle. That has been removed from you. And the spirit that he gives you, according to this verse, is a spirit of power, love, self-control. So we know from our last few weeks that God is power, God is love, and God is self-control, even going back to last week. So God has given you his spirit that doesn't run away from a battle, it runs right into it. So the old you runs away, the new you runs at it. With God's power, and like raise Jesus from the dead power, with God's agape love, and with God's self-control, some uh, interpret that as a sound mind, basically whatever it takes, whatever, whatever you need in that situation, you've, you've got it. God's not giving you the spirit of a coward that runs away. He's giving you his spirit that runs at it with love, power, self-control. Now, that preaches a lot better. And because it's true, it preaches even better. But I kind of found myself like, man, that's, that's a good, like, that's good right there. You know, that'll get in a, not in our church, but in, a, in, a, in other churches, that'll get a good, hearty amen, right? And I, you wouldn't even have to ask for it, you know? Some preachers are like, can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? You wouldn't even have to ask for an amen on that one. It would just get one. You're like, yes, yes. I'm like, let's pray, you know. And while, while you could stop there, for some reason this summer I was like, but that, there just seems like there's got to be more, you know. Because that alone does not make me necessarily, on a, on a Thursday afternoon, want to run into a battle, you know. It makes me want to run into one now when I'm with all you guys, and we've been singing, and we've been like, yeah, let's do this, you know. But when it's just me, and these various fears are running in the background of my mind, and the battery's wearing out, 
for some reason, I was like, this doesn't, it's not fully connecting with me. And then, like, like a dummy, right? I was like, there's probably something after that verse that might have something to do with that verse. Oh, yeah, just like they taught you in seminary. Keep reading. So for the first time ever, I kept reading, and I was amazed at what came after it. Um, Think of verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. All right, just remember that. Share in suffering for the gospel. Uh, Verse 9. By the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That is amazing, just an incredible like sentence. Like If someone was like, um, hey, would you come and put together like, just the best description of the gospel? None of us could come close to what was written right, right there. Just perfect and amazing. And then he says something that just knocked me off my feet. Um, he talks about the gospel, uh, look at verse 11. For which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. And in my, in my study and devotion to this, it's like, it's like God just kind of hit pause. He said, look, look at that connection there. He's talking about this amazing gospel and this amazing calling that, that, he, that Paul has, that Timothy has, that, that we really all have. And he says, and that's why I suffer. I suffer because of the gospel that God's called me to. He ties those things together. So let me, let me pass on four observations from this text that I think could help us on a Thursday when the battery is draining. And there are things that you are working through or thinking about, parts of life that God is sanctifying and he is working his way through, he's maturing you in, and it's, it's kind of at that point. Let me give you four things from this text that I, I think could maybe contribute to some victory there. The first one is what we just saw. Paul connects his calling to the suffering that's there. So I think you and I, we have, to, we have to embrace the calling that God has in our lives. And when it comes to certain fears, they come with the territory. And so what Paul is trying to get Timothy to do is to understand God's called you to this. There's good stuff that comes with that. And there's some tough stuff that comes with that. The more you own your calling, the more you'll embrace whatever that brings along. Because some of the things that we're fearful of, um, that are kind of running in the background of our minds, um, are tied to the things that we believe God has called us to do. So for me, like some of the fears that I shared this summer were connected to my, like, my work as a pastor, these fears of being basically a terrible pastor, you know, of being bad at what I do, but not just bad at what I do, bad at what God has called me to do and equipped me to do, that I will 
disappoint everyone, just person after person after person after person, and eventually everybody's going to be tired of being disappointed, and they're going to go be disappointed somewhere else. You know, like it's it's just a part of what's there. And at one point this summer, I was like, man, I I picked the most disappointing vocation in the history of the world. I mean, clergy. Like, who's let more people down than clergy? Nobody. And so all those fears that are there in just being awful at what I do and hurting people along the way and all that kind of stuff, what Paul's telling Timothy, in a sense, is like, if you didn't want to suffer, then you shouldn't have been obedient. But if you're going to be obedient, then that's going to bring some tough stuff with it. So for me, if I believe that pastoral ministry is obedience to Christ, which I do, then with that comes the possibility of disappointing people, the likelihood of dropping the ball, the certainty of stumbling and falling and uh, all those kinds of things, and of people leaving. But if I wasn't up for that, then I shouldn't have been a pastor. I should do something else. But my desire to be obedient is greater than the things I'm afraid of most of the time. And so I have to embrace my calling. If you are afraid of things about marriage or about parenting, then don't get married or have kids, you know. But if you believe that God has called you to be married, has called you to be a parent, then you have to embrace the fact that with that is just going to come certain things that you're going to be afraid of. You're going to have fears about your kids being safe. You're going to have fears about your kids um, and the various pains that they will experience. You're going you're to have those concerns, and, and those things are not evil. But when those fears are running in the background of your mind, and because of that, you're accessing that old coward spirit to run away from it, then that's a problem because that's not who Jesus has made you. And that's not why he's freed you. And that's not the abundant life that he has come to bring us. If you have fears related to your profession, then either do something else or realize that with my obedience comes certain, certain costs in the area of fears and things I'm afraid of. So I'm going to embrace this. Paul has embraced it. Says, yeah, why do I suffer? Because of the gospel. But you know what? I'm okay with it. He's coaching Timothy and being okay with those kinds of fears. Through these scriptures, God has coached me and my fears about all kinds of things. And maybe that will be beneficial to you as well. Say, well, He's called me to do it. That's going to come with a certain price at times. But greater than the fears I have is my desire to be obedient to my Savior and my Lord. But that alone is like, 
it's kind of like I was talking about a little bit last week. Like, don't just focus on that one because there's like so much more going on. You look at the next thing. Um, so verse 12, he's talking about the gospel. Verse 12, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Let me read that again, verse 12. But I'm, ashamed, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. We spent the last six or seven Sundays talking about the character of God. Paul is telling Timothy, in the midst of this suffering for the gospel and obedience to my calling and whatever that brings along with it, I am convinced because I know whom I have believed. I know him. I know the one in whom my faith is placed, where my hope is being thrown. I know him, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day whatever has been entrusted to me. Now, we aren't sure if Paul's talking about what's been entrusted to him being the gospel or if it is his own life. And, like, from the research I've done, most people are like, it's probably both. You know, he didn't separate his life out. He's like, everything that's been entrusted to me, God is able to guard. So what is, he, what is he telling him? All right, this is, this is the second thing out of four. Saying, even if your worst fears come true, you're still going to be okay. Even if the things that you're terrified about actually happen, God is able to guard what has been entrusted to you. That He is able that he's got you. Because that's one of the things about fears that, that is, is such a problem, especially in our day and age, is that we just know too much. If you sit there and scroll through Facebook long enough, you'll add like eight or nine new fears. Because it's just article after article after article that people are posting about these terrible things, you know. I saw one the other day, it's like, read this and you'll never use head and shoulders shampoo again. You know, it's like, I don't need to be afraid of shampoo, you know? I don't. But thank you for trolling the internet to make sure that all of us know that that's certain death, you know, whatever. There's all these new things, and, and you probably know people who have had your worst fear come true in their lives. And a lot of times, that's when the, the draining of the battery just increases so much. Because you're like, if it happened to them, it could happen to me. It happened to their kid, it could happen to my kid. It happened to their marriage, it could happen to our marriage. It happened to their uh, bank account, it happened to my bank account. It happened to their house, it happened to my house. You see where I'm going. And it builds and it builds and it builds. And I think Paul is trying to tell Timothy um, that he's okay. That God's able to guard what's been entrusted to him. And really, if, if Paul's worst fears come true, if Timothy's worst fears come true, it's okay. That even in the midst of that, God is able to guard 
what has been entrusted to us. I think he's defaulting to the character, the wisdom, the brilliant sovereignty of our God. Not running away from it, running at it. Running into your fear, running into your marriage, running into parenting, running into a career, running into your major, running into the changing of your major, running into um, financial stewardship and all that, that comes with that, running into ministry opportunities, running into the lostness in our city, running into whatever it is that God has for you. Not running away from it, running into it. Why? Because that's a part of what he's called us to. And even if the things we're terrified about happen, it's still going to be fine. The opening scene of, of Gladiator, uh, or one of the opening scenes, you know, Maximus is like talking to his men, like the battle's about to happen, you know. He's like, oh yeah, and if in a, in a little while, you know, you're, uh, the sun is on your face and everything's like good, he's like, just relax because you're in heaven, basically, is what he says. Almost like, yeah, th- then you've made it. That's kind of Paul's perspective. It's like, yeah, even if the worst comes from this suffering for the gospel and I get killed, awesome, I win. You know, it's, it's great. I think for us to know that God's, gonna, you're going to be fine. As a pastor, that's something I tell people all the time. I'm like, hey, you, you see, this is going to be Okay. Maybe those are terrible words. But I think that's what Paul's telling Timothy. When it comes to fear and running into it, he'd be like, all right, no matter what happens, this is part of what he's called me to, and he's able to, to guard what's been entrusted to me. The, th- the third thing, um, verse 13, follow the pattern of the sound words that you've heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Tells Timothy, like, so just walk in what you know to be true. Walk in, the, walk in the truth that has been established. That's some, that's some of the how. Like, how do you, how, how do I put this into practice? How do I, you know, whatever. What, what does it mean to run into the battle? Where, just follow the truth that you know. The truth of who God is, the truth of His will, that, His will that's been revealed through the Scriptures, the fact that we, are to, that we are to walk by faith and not by sight, that all these things that are true, then you like live that today. That's running into the battle. It's like, just be a normal person today. Be a spouse, be a parent, be a friend, be a roommate, be a co-worker, be a neighbor, be a believer. Just, just walk in it. Don't worry about, you know, don't, don't be filled with fear and anxiety and stuff like that. Jesus is like, tomorrow's got enough problems. Abide today. That's not to say don't plan for the future and don't anticipate things and all that kind of stuff. We absolutely want to walk in wisdom, but, man, fear, fear has you paralyzed. Just walk in the truth that you know. Follow the sound teaching and the patterns that are there. Verse 14 This is the fourth thing. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. By the Spirit. You live that dependent life. You say, God, I'm terrified of this. I live live with this constant fear of people's approval, with what might happen to the people that I love, um, 
where the country is headed, where what's happening with finances, what's happening with this, what's happening with this, this decision, this, all these kinds of things. And maybe God's just saying, like, hey, how about you just live from me today? Walk in what you know to be true. Believe that I am able to guard all that's been entrusted to you. And just understand that obedience is, is the, the most important thing. That Jesus looking at you and saying, well done. Well done on this Thursday, you know. Yes, that's it. And some days you're going to have times you're like, man, I was always afraid this would happen. And in those moments, what's he there to do? He's there to be Jesus. And at the end of most days, honestly, we're like, man, my worst fears didn't come true today. Well, yeah, because he's being Jesus, you know. That whatever comes along, he is the faithful one to us, his bride, his children, his family. He's made that commitment. So he's not giving you the spirit of a coward that runs away from stuff. He's giving you his spirit of power, love, self-control that runs right into those things. And sometimes running in just means just living your normal life. With faith, hope, and love. It's, it's a simple message. The confidence that comes from what he has done, and all the theological stuff we've been talking about, that's how it makes a difference with us. It's like, okay, I don't, I'm kind of afraid of this, but I, I don't, that's not who God's made me. So instead of resisting this decision or this relationship or this um, commitment to make, he's drawing me into it. Drawing us deeper, because that is who He has made us. So I don't know. I don't know where it lands with you or how it fits in with you, but uh, I'm I'm still working through all this stuff. I got a whole list of things that I'm afraid of. When I don't deal with them, it leads me into times of of depression. It leads me into times of uh, high anxiety. It leads me into times of apathy. When I read this kind of stuff, I'm reminded of who he is and who I am. It propels me forward into those fears. And I I hope that um, it could be the same for all of us. So let's stand together. Um, The band's going to come forward. and You know what we do here, right? We just respond through song. You could pray. You could do whatever whatever you want, but as the band comes up, um, let me just lead you uh, through just maybe a, a few minutes of just guided prayer. So just bow your head, close your eyes if you would. and um, for, the, for the place where your mind goes instantly when you talk about those subtle fears that are kind of wearing you out. Just bring those things to the, just kind of the forefront of your mind for a second. And God, I would just ask that you show us how, um, how embracing the, the calling that you have in our lives in various ways, how embracing that and all that comes with it, Uh, How does that fit into these things we're worried about?
And then maybe just, just take a second and just, just speak to the Lord and tell Him that you believe that even if those fears come true, that He really, He's able and willing to guard all that has been entrusted to you. That even if those things come true, confess to Him that because of who He is, you know you're going to be fine. Just ask for his help in running not away, because that's who you were, but running into those things and taking bold steps of faith more deeply into the things that you are afraid of. And just ask for his help. God, I thank you uh, so deeply for this new identity that we have. That you have replaced that spirit of a coward who runs away from stuff just, just because he's afraid of what might happen. That you've taken that spirit away and you've given us your spirit. That we can faith, faithfully and confidently take steps more deeply into the things you're calling us to. We thank you for the fact that your power and love and that self-controlled, sound mind, all of it is ours because of who you have made us and you are making us. And God, I remember this summer... Just thinking about the the images, even the images from nine eleven of those firemen and rescue workers and police officers running running into those buildings, you know. And I remember even back then, just how you used those images to tell so many of us, like, yeah, that's who I've made you. A lot of people running away from that stuff, but I made you the the type to run into obedience. God, I just ask on behalf of all of us for your continued help. Even as we sing, may some things be released. May some freedom be found. May some, some of our identity be more solidified. May our faith be deepened and our hope placed rightly. And may our love for you abound more and more in knowledge and all discernment. 